All right, so thank you, Sister Gail. This is your fourth chutzpah with us. Um, she's a regular. We, I love that this uh, was the church that she actually grew up in um, before she converted to Islam. So it's amazing how life comes full circle like that. Um, <laughs> um, but thank you so much for delivering such a beautiful chutzpah today. Um, we didn't know when we scheduled you that this was going to happen, um, and it, it proved time and time again. This happens with all of our jummas, but this was like the perfect pairing, I think. Um, it was the perfect perspective to share on this issue, and I, I really thank you for um, showing us um, how we can navigate this. So thank you again. Um, is there anyone who'd like to go first in asking a question, sharing a reflection, anything at all? Mahasin, go ahead. I've gotten over my shyness. <laughs> It's still here, but yeah, it's still here, but it comes back a bit. But Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me to come forward and say my truth, so to speak. Uh, thank you for that beautiful khutbah and your analysis of the story of Moses and the three journeys. Well, one journey, three things in the journey helped me to understand it a whole lot better. And uh, to the New Zealand uh, thing. I don't know how true it is, but someone called me the other day and says, because oh, as a result of that, at least 350 people there took shahada. So Allah has a plan. We might not understand it, but he has a plan. And in the surah, which one is it? Um, the one where everybody's going to come to the religion in crowds. You know, I can see it happening. So, alhamdulillah. I said I wasn't going to say anything today. Good, good. <laughs> You felt inspired. Go with it. Who else? Anyone? Can I ask questions? Yes, of course. Yeah. So, so um, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking of, I, I was reflecting over my own life and, and things where, you know, you think one thing is, is happening and you really want something and then something else happens and you're really disappointed, but then in hindsight, has anyone experienced that situation? <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. My name is Hadia. I'm actually visiting from Chicago, and I just knew about this a couple of days ago, so I'm very happy to be here. Um, yeah, that was the story of my life, actually. I came here 10 years ago to do my master's from Syria, to, to do my master's to become a therapist. And I was so excited. We don't have a lot of therapists in Chicago, in Syria. And, uh, and I was, when I was doing my internship the second year of my master's, that I was placed at the agency for refugees. And I was so upset because I used to be in like an educational institution in Syria and I wanted to go back and be a counselor there and there was a plan for that. So I kept telling my supervisor, I'm wasting my time. You know, I, you know, I would love to help everyone, but you know, we don't have refugees in Syria. I really want to go back to that institution. I'm really, you know, we don't have a lot of therapists. I feel responsible. Um, and she said, no, no, stay, you will learn. Like, if, even if like different population, but it will help you. You never know how that would help you in the future. So you can imagine, I came 2009, the revolution started 2011. And after that, unfortunately, half of the population became refugees. So that was, it was always the lesson for me that I all, the, how Allah plans for things and how the things that I really didn't, I felt like, you know, really uncomfortable um, because of the responsibility that I had. Um, and subhanAllah, when, then Syrians came to Chicago after four years of me working at that organization and knowing all the system, all the, you know, like the resettlement agencies, like how you do your work with refugees and all, 
what they need and all the connections and subhanAllah, then I co-founded a nonprofit to help refugees. So, so it's amazing when we think about it and it's, it's the same thing as perspective versus like, oh my God, what is this being resentful or like, what, I mean, and even when I do my work with, I'm, I'm sure if there are therapists in, the, in here, like it's all, what makes the difference is the perspective as you said, that's the main thing. Whether like I worked with, with uh, teenagers who have like multiple suicide attempts and really what, what was different for them, if you compare them to the refugees, is that refugees have, have perspective of like, okay, Allah knows why this is happening and we have this faith versus the other girls, they were really struggling with that. And then life doesn't mean anything. Why, why my life? Then, you know, let me just kill myself. And it makes sense if you think about it, if they're struggling that much and they don't have people to trust. So I'm sorry if I was long, but this, as you said, like this applies to me 100%. So thank you. It's a Syrian Community Network. Yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of new faces. Anyone who's new and would like to say something or ask a question or share a reflection? Assalamu alaikum. I'm Sophia. Um, so it's funny because I guess we, your khutbah, you think of things that have actually happened. And for me, it gives me some reassurance and patience for I'm waiting to see the reasons why. <laughs> um, but it's, I keep telling myself that it, I will see that and I just have to be patient and also to to just accept where you are so um, you guys notice I sit down for the for the prayer and the adhan because I, I have this brain problem where I'm very dizzy so I wanted to be in the moment um, and I I worked through it I'm very high functioning and I thought oh this is gonna be the hardest thing I'll do and then that will be it and then I'll learn something great or I'll help people, you know. And then this year I hurt my back really bad and I, was, I couldn't walk and things like that. And I got so frustrated with God, like, why do you give me another thing? I did that thing, you know. Um, but I, I just have this feeling that it's going to serve for something and I just have to wait. And instead of just being frustrated, which doesn't help me, it's like better to just focus on what I'm doing and, and like today just find a solution that works and... Um, but yeah, so if you guys are there, I guess I, I'm there too, and I'm, I know it's going to be revealed to me, you know. Yeah, there's a saying that the, the test keeps repeating until you learn the lesson, right? And I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but I definitely have. And I think also the other saying, all these sayings, what you, what you resist persists, right? So I think sometimes too, like, um, I almost feel like when I was younger, I was a lot better at this. And then I got into the groove of like, oh, I know how this works. You know, you, you learn the lesson in the end. Um, it can kind of give you this false sense of, you know, knowing how to be patient. Um, and then you get a new challenge, right? And so maybe if you thought that was the lesson that you had to learn, maybe there's another lesson. So inshallah, you know, everything works out soon. As-salamu alaykum. Thank you so much, Gail. Wonderful khutbah. And I, as I already told you, that story, and I believe the name that is assigned to Moses' guide is Kadir, you know, but I think that's more... Which, which means green, by green. the way. Yeah. Right. So just to, to go, if you read some of the commentary, the lesson with Moses is even though he's a prophet, he has to refresh, he has to continue to strive for knowledge, even though he's a prophet, right? He's getting this guidance. Mm -hmm. But it's so important, and it's a lesson for all of us, that even though we think 
we got it all, you know? We, we're, we're about as smart as we can be. We're just all that, right? But then, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, um, I've had a few people tell me this about myself, so I have to kind of assume that it's probably accurate. You know, the flower that's called impatience, the little cutie flower, uh, somebody said to me one time, when they handed out impatience, you thought they were talking about the flower, and you ordered up a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm sure we all have personal stories about a time when we were just trying to push the agenda the way we wanted it to go, the way we thought it should go. And you know, we just couldn't get the agenda to work that way. It just wouldn't. And then at some point later on, who knows how much later, like you said, could be years later, you go, huh, I see what that was all about. Okay, I think I got it now, you know. And so I, as I told you, it's absolutely my favorite story in Quran, and every time I read it, there's a whole new lesson there, you know. I was wondering if you'd be willing to share with us a personal story about your travels with Kadir and, <laughs> and how you just could not accept what was coming your way and then eventually you realize, you know, I'm being facetious, but uh, a situation where you just were pushing an agenda and then afterwards you realize, hmm, okay, I see Allah saved me from myself. So, okay, so that brings me to this place. So as Hasna said, I was raised in this church. So I was a Unitarian, and my parents were not religious people at all. The Unitarian church that I grew up in here was very much involved with social justice and um, human rights, political. I, you know, I, as a teenager, I was stuffing envelopes for all kinds of causes, and God was not a part of any of that. So <laughs> fast forward <laughs> to today, the irony of this is that I'm in this church, which I thought I would never, I'm not, church is not for me. I mean, I'm not, I was not raised that way. My parents were not. So the irony is that here I am in this church, not only talking about God, but doing a sermon about God, that is like, you know, Allah said, ha, 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 <laughs> got you, got you. Of course, it's, it's been a 40-plus year journey here, but those are the things I would, if you would talk to me when I was 15 or 16 going to this church, and you would have told me, oh, you're going to be a religious person and giving a sermon, <laughs> I would have thought you were totally nuts. My parents would have thought <coughs> you were totally nuts. So that's the situation where, you know, I was, I was on a path that I thought was correct, but Allah had another plan for me. So, and it, but it didn't happen overnight. It was a gradual progression. So I embraced um, um, the Nation of Islam, which is a nationalist organization in the 70s, 
Um, we were very exclusively about black community, people of color, and so that my, my focus was the same as when I was in this church, social justice, economic development, let's empower people who are poor to rise up and improve their circumstance. And so then I said, okay, well, the Nation of Islam is the best way to do that because they're all about business and they, had, they own businesses, they own land. I could relate to that. I came from a family had, that had a business. So that made perfect sense to me. So I'm just chutting along here. And then six months after I became Gail 3X, <laughs> like Malcolm X, yeah. you know, Karen knows about this. You all know about this. So the Elijah Muhammad, who was the leader of the Nation of Islam, who was a nationalist, not a religious per se leader, right? He died. And the son came into office, and he started talking about this religion of Islam. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he's talking about God, and we have to pray five times a day. And I'm like, what? You know, this is not really what I signed up for, but life is coming along, right? And next thing you know, I'm married, I have children, I'm in this community, and things just happen really, really fast. And then I realized one day, it was February of 1991, I had been in the Nation of Islam for 16 years, and I was doing the Salat, I was, I said, wait a minute, how did this happen? What the heck has happened here? I'm praying to God. And I said to myself, I said, you know, if I'm going to be with this, i got to be with this. I have to accept Allah as God, and I have to become a person of faith. But I was going through the motion for 16 years. 16 years, because I was in this community. You know, you follow along, you wear the clothes, you, do, you go with the social stuff. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was supportive, you know. I was a young mother. I had a lot of community support. I loved the community. But then I realized, wow. I'm a long way from where I was when I was 15 in this church. So then I made a promise to Allah that I would accept Islam, I would become a believer, that I was a believer, that I, it was me, not just my community, it wasn't just, I had to accept it myself. And um, within a year I was making Hajj. I made the pilgrimage. And so I've been on that, that journey ever since. So, not at all expected, you know? That was not the door I was gonna go through. But you never know, you know? There's a, a Native American expression that says, proceed as the way opens. So I've reflected on that in my life. When, when doors kept closing on me, when things start, you're like, I'm just banging my head against the door here, this is not working. Well, where's the door open? And you find that and you go through there and then usually it works out. Or you find another door that's closed and you, you go around the other place. You know, you just keep, you keep going, right? So, yeah, that's, that's my story. May I make a quick comment, though? When you spoke of becoming Gail 3X, okay, um, for other people here who maybe are not familiar with what you're speaking of, the Nation of Islam told African Americans, we don't know who we are. We don't know where we came from. We've lost our cultures, our, you know, our languages, connections with our families. We don't know who we are. So these names that were given to us, and they literally were given to us, those are slave names. So that's why, 
Yeah, they were, yeah. I said given, didn't I? Yeah, like yeah, like we gave them the crops at the end of the season. So, <laughs> so but yeah, they were forced upon us. And so, as the awakening took place, people refused to have the slave name. They would, they'll never know what their family name was. They'll just take an X. Okay, but my point in bringing this out is it was a nationalist organization, but I know Gail, I'm, I'm, you, you have the same feeling. It is important to realize that was a stepping stone to Islam. And in fact, Elijah Muhammad used to say, there's something else coming, you know. So it, it's not necessarily to, necessary to trounce what he was trying to do because nearly every African-American who became Muslim became Muslim as a result of going through the Nation of Islam or becoming familiarized with it, or certainly if they read and followed the work of Malcolm X, Ahaj Malik al-Shabazz, that was the example. So we don't discount Elijah Muhammad because he did not become a Muslim. He did more work to uplift African-American people than could even be imagined with a third grade education. What he did was just almost incomprehensible, but alhamdulillah, you know, people have moved on. And I'm originally from Chicago, and my parents were not in the Nation of Islam at all. We were never a part of that. But believe me, I saw it firsthand. It just just kind of in the genes, you know. And my mother, who was truly a very humble, peaceful person, she knew who God was. We were raised believing there was only one God. I never, ever heard anything else in our household from as far back as I can remember. Maybe when I was six years old. That's all I knew is there was one God. I knew about Jesus, but we knew him as a great prophet, but we didn't know him any other way. Uh, and so at one point, I remember my mother saying facetiously that she would have joined the Nation of Islam. My father wasn't going to join anything. Wasn't going to happen. But she would consider joining the Nation of Islam. But when they told her she couldn't have popcorn, it was over. She <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> You know, so why not? I think it's. I think in some ways it was a way of disciplining the followers. Okay, if you if you're in with me, I need you to show me by doing certain things. You know, I have no idea. I, I eat popcorn, and you know, that's not a problem. <laughs> you know, but anyway. But I just want to say we we do want to to offer some blessings for Elijah Muhammad for what he attempted to do. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he uh, Elijah Muhammad wrote a book called How to Eat to Live. So there were certain things, yes, they definitely did not eat pork. Um, and I think cornbread, they said, was too harsh for the stomach. Um, that's where the bean pies, I don't know if you're familiar with bean pies. If you haven't had a bean pie, you need to hurry up and go get one. Uh, but um, so there were things that they figured were not good for you to eat. Uh, he also had his followers eating one meal a day. So you could get up in the morning, you'd have some juice or something but you would have one good meal, kind of midday, and healthy food, not fast food. And that would give your stomach a chance to relax, you know, and actually digest the food and move on to something else. Uh, but the popcorn, I think, it may have been that it was considered. It, it could be. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it could be. But the point is, regardless some of it was to discipline his followers. Because even when they started with Ramadan at one point, 
They were going to have Ramadan in December. It was a way of forcing people away from going out, you know, and spending a lot of money that they didn't even have necessarily following. And we all know this, even as Christians, Christmas has become a very expensive way to celebrate. You have to have a lot of money, buy a lot of gifts, and then everybody's mad because they didn't get what they wanted. And then everybody else is mad because they're in debt and didn't get what they wanted. So uh, he just figured that was a good way to discourage African Americans from following that tradition as well. So anyway, but thank you. I was also in the nation. Um, my brother was, I was living in Los Angeles. My brother was going to the nation and we were just appalled. And <laughs> I had just finished college and I said, don't worry, mom. He lived in San Francisco. I said, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to get him out of that. And the next time she saw me, I was in a long <laughs> skirt and a head covering. Okay, so I went through that. Then Elijah Muhammad died. And eventually, little by little, you stop practicing what you were practicing before. I moved back to California from Chicago and, um, and just completely stopped, remarried, had two more children. And one morning I got up, the thing that, that really weighed on me was that I was not teaching my children about Allah, about God. And so one morning I got up and I prayed in the way that we had learned, but I was focusing on Allah and not what we were told. And there's a saying, and I don't know the words exactly, but you take one step toward Allah and he comes running toward you. So that was the prayer. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to talk because I, I oh my and so <clears throat> one morning I'm washing dishes and my two older children are at school and my baby was asleep and something just came over me that said you're Muslim so I went to the telephone and someone had told me about the Islamic Center of Southern California I went to the phone and I called and it was a miracle that somebody answered because when you call, <laughs> there's no, you know. And it was a, a young Muslim woman and she was so kind, you know, and she told me about a class for new Muslims and I started going there. And then the rest is history. <laughs> but you, I mean, what you plan on doing in your life, you know, sometimes you take a turn and it just, um, the other thing I wanted to say is, when you were talking about patience, is that we have to remember that everybody is struggling with something. Everyone's got a situation that they're, that they're struggling with. That's the human condition. And there's a phrase in Quran, painfully toiling toward Allah. And it's just, that's the way life is. And when you understand that, no matter what facade the, the, the celebrities put on, everybody is struggling with something. And that's... That's, anyway, I didn't mean to cry. That's why I didn't want to say anything. Thank you for sharing. That's what happens when you share from the heart. So thank you for opening up and sharing that with us. We have time for one more. My Indian mother is giving me that look like, you better say what you're going to say kind of thing. So, um, But yeah, no, it was interesting. We walked in a little bit late, but coming into hearing you talk about patience, because that's what we were all kind of talking about. Um, at home before we came here. Um, but yeah, we grew up um, in New York going to a Sufi mosque in Tribeca. Um, and then around age five for me is when 9-11 happened. And um, I think just 
the combination of that and the general narrative that existed in this country in regards to Islam, you know, in our in our politics and our political media and in our society. Um, and I don't think I realized, but it made me until recently, but it made me really ashamed of um, being a Muslim just because of stuff you would read on TV or see in the news, um, which was really hard as a young girl to like be ashamed of your own culture and your own um, family and upbringing. And then especially in a society where it was cool to be like my friends who were um, American and wearing Abercrombie and blah, 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 you know? And I think I just suppressed this huge part of myself um, because I didn't think it was socially uh, acceptable. Um, and then fast forward to, I just got out of a uh, four-year relationship with someone who was um, cheating on me the whole time, you know, so that was really hard also being young. Um, and the, my first experience with like love and everything, but when I came out of that, it was that it was a similar thing. Like you were saying, why me? Why me? Like, why did this happen to me? Um, but I realized that I had so little love for myself and like who, and not just for myself, like who, for who I like really was, you know, like from my core. And I don't think I could have regained that love and that respect for myself had I not gone through that relationship in a way, you know? Um, and so obviously it's unfortunate that I had to experience that, but in going through that, I've regained this love for myself, which means I kind of like regain this love for um, Allah and for and my, my family and my culture. And yeah, so you talking about patience was kind of like crazy for us walking because we were just like, whoa, this is just like the universe. <laughs> really like coming together so you were for supposed to be here today. yeah yeah basically yeah but um but yeah we really appreciated uh, what you had to say yeah i appreciate your sharing that with us because i'm a parent many of us are parents and we accepted islam or the converts are people who came from muslim countries you immigrated here and you're you're praying that your children will follow in the deen right so one of the hardest things for us to understand is you all are your own folks. You're your own people. And your life experience is so different from mine that you have to figure it out yourself. And what maybe worked for me in my generation is not going to work. I never had to deal with 9-11. I never had to deal with the stigma of having a Muslim name. I don't have a Muslim name. My children do. They have Muslim names. And I've struggled with them, one of my chil children decided that for some time she wanted to change her name to a non-Muslim name for the reasons that you're talking about. You just want to fit in. You want to be part of that. And so I, I appreciate your speaking out, and I hope you'll do more of that so that, that parents don't just think, okay, well, you're just like me when I was your age. And that's so not true. The life, you know, the circumstances are different. Your life experiences, the pressures that you all face 
are something we never, we never had to deal with that, yeah. you know? So I'm so proud of all of you, you know, you, to fact, the fact that you're here. I mean, you could so easily not be here and not want to come, not be with your mother, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I get that. I mean, you know, I have children that don't even want to walk with me when they were a certain age, you know? Like, I don't want to associate with this woman at all. She's way out of whack for my life, you know what I mean? So I, I compliment you and just continue to speak your truth, you yeah. know, and tell others. Yeah. And it's okay, you know, just be honest yeah. with what you're dealing with because it's a lot. I know it's a lot. So I, I commend your courage. Thank you. Takbir. 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 I just want to say takbir for the nation of Islam for bringing all of us here together. Saying that, I grew up in three different countries, different continents, and Islam is so different everywhere I go. So I started in Africa, then went to United Arab Emirates, then to England, and I'm here in America. Yes. <laughs> and each time I, I meet my you know, Muslim sisters, some are nice, some are not nice, but we still have to be, have the faith. The only thing that I really always fight is the fact that uh, the Arab nation always think that Islam belongs to them. You are non-Islamic if you're from these other places. So we, I have to show this every time. I used to go to Islamic Center, I used to go to Umar, but I'm always looking forward to come here once a month because it brings us all together and also it exposes the young people how, how to speak and how to relate. I have a daughter, I don't relate to her. She's out there <laughs> and I'm in here, but she's very nice. But what happened, whenever I come to the mosque, she wanna come with a mini skirt on. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. You know? <laughs> she works, you know, yeah, she works. But anyway, one of these days I'm gonna bring her over here so we can all see her. And hopefully she'll be like you young ladies, <laughs> okay? But thank you, sister, for doing this because it's really opening up a lot of doors and a lot of minds in, in learning and connecting. Shukra. Well, today was a very interesting, unique discussion circle. We got such really cool, in-depth stories. I don't think we've ever had that before. Usually it's like, you know, little questions. And today was really cool. So thank you all. Like four people shared really cool stories. So thank you so much for sharing from the heart. And um, I think that's really what this circle is about, is being able to see each other and to learn about each other and see how unique our different life paths are and how beautiful all of that diversity is. So alhamdulillah. All right, great. Thank you guys for coming today. Um, inshallah, please sign up for everything on the back table. We want you to get involved. Um, and also come see me if you haven't introduced yourself to me. I want to meet you all. Um, we would appreciate your help cleaning up, just folding up the rugs. And inshallah, we'll see you April 26th. All right, salam alaikum.